0: you could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, Beat Cox, and flying solo today, but shout out to the crew. They'll be back next week as we get another album review for you, another classic to review for all of y'all out there. Thank you once again to all of the fans stateside and worldwide. Guys, we are having a bang-up start of the year. Really, thank you all for continuing to spread the word and share the content with people that you know that love hip hop culture and old school hip hop, R and B, and reggae. I'm truly, truly amazed at the number of growth that we've had just in going to what is now our third year of this podcast of the Vault Classic Music Review. So, thank you all once again for listening and continuing to spread the word. As you heard in the beginning of the podcast and have heard for a few weeks now, of course, we have a couple of things going on we want to let you know about before we get started. One is our private Facebook community, The Vault Podcast Record Club. On Facebook, it's a private group and a community for those who like and love the show, who love the content and want to talk old school music and just some of the memories we had back then at that time. It's a private community. The link is in the show notes and description of each show. And you can go down there, check out the show notes, click to join the link in the Facebook group. All you have to do is answer a few questions. Agree to the terms and you're in. I'm telling you, great things we got going on right there. Come and join us right there in the Vault Podcast Record Club, the private community on Facebook. Join it today. We got a lot of great things coming up later on this year for those who are exclusively in the group. And the second thing that we want to mention is our Buy Me A Coffee. Now, if you want to support the show, if you love the content that we're putting out and you want to hear more and you want to see us do more, then you can go to Buy Me A Coffee. The link is as well in the show description in the notes. It's buymeacoffee.com backslash vaultclassicpod. You go there, you click on the link, you can support us by buying a coffee, or in this case would be a CD. Support in any way that you'd like, give as often as you like so that we can continue to open the vault and give you the content that you know and love. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC, and today we have yet another bonus episode and segment. And we did this a couple of weeks ago, and it went so well, and I really had a great time doing it, and I got a lot of great feedback from the listeners who listened to it who reached out after the episode that I wanted to do another one. So we did Relics of the Past a couple of weeks ago about Record Release Tuesdays, and it really was something that harkened back to my early days as a hip-hop fan when I first started buying music and when I got excited about going out to get music, especially for the first time with my own money. So... We wanted to do another segment of that, yet another relic of the past. And today we're going to talk about a time-honored tradition, especially of those of us who are millennials. They call us elder or geriatric millennials in my case, being as dome as I'm in my 40s now. But for those of us who grew up with hip-hop, starting in the 80s and then definitely into the 90s, this is something that all of us know and cherish. And it was a vital component of our hip hop listening from probably for those of us in my era from elementary school all the way up until maybe right around the middle of high school. And it's something that nowadays that when I think about it still brings a smile to my face. And I'm talking about none other than this. Everybody remembers what the blank cassette tape was. And for those of us around who were using cassette tapes. I dare to say that it was an integral part of the growth of hip-hop culture and also a big part of our everyday lives and how we listen to music. Now, when we first came up in my era, we grew up listening to music on the radio a lot. And in the in-between times when we were listening to music, a lot of it was done sometimes on our parents' vinyl. Some people actually listened on eight tracks. I wasn't quite around for the eight track era because at that point in time, we had sort of switched over to the next medium, which was cassette tapes. And when I was in elementary school, getting ready, you know, coming up in kindergarten is when you saw the explosion really of tapes and the medium of tapes and vinyl was starting to take a tumble, of a little bit of a tumble down in society. And the medium of tapes became very, very popular. Tapes were the medium that we listened to music when we had boom boxes. And for those who know 80s hip hop culture and 90s hip hop culture, the boombox was a big part of that as well. And if you wanted to play something out of your boombox, if it wasn't the radio, you had to play a tape. Tapes were how you're going to play the music that you wanted to hear. So the blank cassette tape played a big part in that. And I'll tell you the reason why. And there's a few reasons, you know, these are not all the reasons why the blank cassette tapes were big and what you used them for. But these were some of the biggest ones that we dealt with coming up in the 80s and then also in the 90s. Now we'll first get into the different types of cassette tapes that people used to use. And there were a lot of different media companies out there. They used, uh, you know, so many different other, you know, came out with different tapes and you would start out at first that you had the 60 minute tape, 30 minutes on each side. And then they came out a little bit later after that, where they made the 90 minute tapes where, you know, albums were a little bit longer and you had to record things that, you know, you needed at least another 30 minutes or so. And that was 45 minutes on each side. So, You had Maxwell. Maxwell had the audio cassettes. They had the, you know, the Maxwell audio cassettes, the UR 90s. Then you had TDK. They had the D 90s. You had the HF 90s from Sony. Um, You also had Memorex, which made tapes before they started making CDs. You had these companies that made these blank tapes and you know, what decided what brand of tape you were going to buy was going to be on a couple of different things. One on the price and then also the quality and for those of us who were coming up in the tape era, we all kind of, we all remember that, you know, tapes, they were pretty durable for the most part, but sometimes the tapes got warped or they broke. And, you know, if you played it too much, so sometimes you would go with a brand that was a little bit more reliable to you. Now for me personally, I didn't discriminate upon the blank tapes that I bought. I mean, I was named mostly a Maxwell and a TDK kid, but I remember having a few Sony tapes because that's what my dad used to buy. So, you know, the blank cassette tapes were important. You wanted to make sure that you had a good product and that your tape didn't break or didn't get warped or the tape got eaten up by a boom box or a cassette player or later on what we had was a Walkman. So you wanted to make sure that you had a good quality cassette tapes. But the things that we use these blank blank cassette tapes on, well, first, the one thing that you used to do what a lot of us did is before we went out and actually bought radio singles, if we were like, you know, back then when you didn't really have any money, like i was in elementary school or kind of dependent on my parents or my older sisters to buy me things before I actually have my own money to go buy things, then you would go out and record songs from the radio. <laughs> and as wild as that seems now, especially in this streaming era, because we can pretty much call on demand any song that we want to hear for the most part on your choice of streaming service, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Title, you can just go and pull it up and With us, though, you kind of had to wait to hear your song on the radio if you weren't buying music. And if you wanted to hear it and it wasn't coming on all the time on the radio, well, you had to go and record it. Now, what this required was a certain bit of coordination and also skill and reflexes, (laughs) because sometimes you hear a song on the radio and the DJ would announce the song before it was coming on. But if they were going sort of back to back songs and there was maybe a short break for a promo spot where they announced the name of the station, then you would only have a split second only to be able to get up and start recording the song from the radio. So sometimes you would have a situation where the song would start, you would recognize it, and then you'd have to run to the tape deck and go press play and record to make sure you caught it. And sometimes you would get it where you would hear things and you would play it back after you recorded it and you would probably be missing the first maybe two, three, four, maybe even five seconds, maybe even longer than that, depending on how far you had to go to the tape deck. To actually go press play and record to record your favorite song. So we started doing that and recording our favorite songs from the radio. Now, as a result of this, we started using these tapes. And it sort of created the first kind of mixtapes that we created and not really talking about the ones that were professionally done. Everybody's neighborhood and everybody's hood and block sort of had somebody that would be a DJ that would, you know, professionally use the records and cut the records and would make a mixtape that would sound clean and professional and everything else. Well, most of us weren't DJs and most of us didn't have vinyl that we could cut and scratch and be able to transition. You know, we were very unskilled in that respect. So what we kind of had to do is, you know, you had to record something and then when you knew that that song was getting ready to end and the next song you didn't really want to record, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. There would sort of be an abrupt stop to a lot of these. Sometimes you would leave a little bit of blank space in between and, you know, sometimes you just, you know, let it ride. What you would get was you would have a mixtape of all these different songs that we were recording from the radio. And sometimes they would run songs back to back to back to back to back with no cohesion, no smooth transitions. But you just wanted to be able to capture the song from the radio so that you could recall it and play it again without having to wait for it to come on the radio. Because, I mean, let's be real. People used to call and request songs on the radio. But, I mean, I didn't really know anyone personally who was calling in on the radio to request a song. At least not at that age, I wasn't. So you would have these mixtapes that we would create. And... You would have this song, a row of songs on the radio, and what happens is you would have these tapes, and as you would accumulate these blank tapes in the packs, they would usually come, you know, three, sometimes maybe even five in a pack. The later ones, they had, the, you know, the bigger value packs that came with, like, ten in the pack. Then you would see these tapes starting to accumulate, and what you would sit there and label them when you would get the labels to, peel, to put on the tapes, and you would write on them, and then you would sort of, like, write a year, maybe, or sometimes even a date on them. And so... That's what you would use the blank cassette tapes for to create mixtapes. Now to take it to a little bit of a different direction, what we use blank cassette tapes for, and this really called back to an early medium of me really exploring to be an artist when I was rapping and also producing. That in my very early days, when I was in high school, I had a partner of mine, my boy Ideal. You know, shout out to Dale, my man from high school. We're still friends to this day. We started making music together, and us, those of us in our f- group of friends we would go down in his basement. He had recording equipment. I mean, he had a turntable. He had a cassette deck with, you know, the two tape decks, like a master stereo and a computer. Everything sort of hooked up. Really analog back in those days. And we're talking about late 90s. So it was fairly analog based on what we have now and what our capabilities are now to be able to record music. But he would have a ton of blank tapes. So when we would record music at his house, a lot of it was, yo going and, taking a blank tape and recording the beat on it on one blank tape, then playing that blank tape and then recording as the beat is playing us, talking into the microphone. (laughs) And then you'd have to go to a next take after that and then use another tape to record the next set of vocals. Or if you were slick enough and you could time it up perfectly, then you can get right in between. Maybe if we were doing a song, him and I, I could get in my verse and then not record over what he was saying. And we did that sometimes because we didn't have a ton of tapes to keep going back and forth and back and forth.
1: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin-Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
0: So it really was analog. And so people used to do things like that. Also, back in those days, if you were like, you know, starting to dabble in music and do music around, you, whether it was the folks in the neighborhood or you truly were trying to make a name for yourself and go out there to do shows and, and really become like an act, as they would say, then you would have your tapes and you would, you know, record those tapes you would have a tape of songs the audio quality obviously if you weren't doing them in a professional studio would not be the best but you give them to people in your hood that's what we used to do we used to make tapes and have like you know four or five songs on the tape and would go around and just give copies to people now mind you four or five songs is not a lot of time on a tape so you literally have like the 60 minute 90 minute tape and we used to give these tapes away for like four or five songs you know so It's just wild thinking back on those days. But those tapes were a lifeline for us to be able to start making music. And that sort of cued me into the recording process. And then when we moved up to other equipment, when we recorded music at a later time, then he got a a four track recorder, a digital recorder that made recording music a lot easier than going back and forth between tapes on the tape deck, which if you messed up, you had to stop and go all the way back over again. All the way from the beginning if you messed up. So you got really good at being, not, being able not to mess up. And then, of course, the biggest thing what we use blank cassette tapes for, getting a dub of an album. <laughs> and everybody has done this. And this was really big right around the time when we were coming up. Now, obviously, you would have the people that would go to the record stores and would get the tapes. And, uh, you know, tapes were the predominant thing during that time, at least in the early 90s and the mid 90s. And people were getting CDs, but probably not in a large number until maybe the mid-'90s into the late-'90s. Like CDs as a medium were starting to come around, you know, 80s, maybe early-'90s, but tapes were still predominant around that time. And you would have somebody that would go out there and get a tape and, you know, they would play that tape in their Walkman, and sometimes you'd want to be able to have that album too. Well, for a lot of us, you know, we – either didn't have the money to be able to go get them or our parents weren't going to take us to go get those albums so the next best thing that you could do was to be able to go get a blank tape of your your own and if it was your homeboy or somebody at school you were cool with then it would be like hey this tape is dope it's slamming you know like this is you know in, our, in DC we said the tape crank and he'd be like hey man let me get a dub of that joint I'll give you a blank tape after lunch <laughs> and that's what it was you get a blank tape and for the most part, it was sort of like, you know, trade for trade. I mean, back then, the tapes were the currency. That's what we had. The blank tape was something in order to be able to get something that we wanted. Now, if you did something like this and got a dub from somebody of a tape that you wanted, then it was to be expected that eventually if you had something that that person wanted, then you would give them a dub back in return of something that you had that they wanted to listen to. That's really how we did trade for trade back then. We weren't really exchanging tape for money or anything like that, at least not in the early days. And that was critical because for a lot of the music listening that I did on my own, outside of anything that my sisters were listening to or my older cousins or my dad or my mom listening to vinyl, a lot of it was on these dubbed cassette tapes of albums and some of them dubs of singles. So... You would sit there and you would see Certainly, eventually you have like a a shoebox full of tapes. I remember my first shoebox full of tapes I had accumulated at least by middle school. By the time I got to high school, those shoeboxes became like three shoeboxes. And when you get a shoebox of those tapes, they're always a mess. (laughs) I mean, they're never really neatly stacked together. You know, you you pretty much improvise with storage the way that you had it. Some people had the tape holders where they can neatly stack the tapes in like you could you know, sort of inserted man, like you had the CD towers that they had, you know, you would have the tape towers and you could stack neatly stack your tapes in there. If you would put them in this shoebox, like, yo, it was sometimes you were not neatly putting things back. And then that creates a problem when you go in that shoebox to try to find a cassette that you're looking for of something that you want to play. So it became a bit cumbersome, but nonetheless, though, you accumulate a lot of music that way. Now, personally, even going back to us in the DC area, You know, with us, go-go tapes were the thing. So, you know, bands would put out tapes. You know, they called them PA tapes. And eventually we had a store called PA Palace that put out go-go tapes that would sell the go-go tapes that the bands would put out, where they would record the shows, various shows around the venues, around D.C., around the area, and basically you would identify the tapes by the name of the band and then the date afterwards. So, for me, the big bands when I were coming up, obviously were bands like Rare Essence, Junkyard Band, Backyard Band, Pure Elegance, Northeast Groovers or NEG, EU with Sugar Bear. I mean, are so many different bands that were out there during that time. But if you were going and looking for a tape, you would go to PA Palace. And PA Palace, you would look at these tapes and they would have like these, you know, special markings on them and special covers on the tape that where it would say, you know, the name of the band, the date, and then also the venue where they played at. So, for instance, if I was going to PA Palace and we had a couple of stores, you know, Prince George's Plaza, also Capitol Plaza here in Prince George's County, where I lived at, you would go and look for something like, hey, I'm looking for a backyard band 7397. I mean, it was recorded on July 3rd, 1997 at the Met, or you would be like, hey, I'm looking for that junkyard band 33196 recorded at the Ibex. And you would see all these tapes there and you would cop a certain amount of tapes if you had money to go cop tapes. And everyone at every school in Prince George's County, in D.C., wherever you were, had that one person or two people in the school that had an endless amount of P.A. tapes. And sometimes they got them from P.A. Palace and sometimes they got them from elsewhere. Well, that was a big thing back then, too. It's going to get dubs of go-go tapes. And that sometimes would have to come for an exchange of not just a tape for tape. But then even sometimes because go tapes were probably more of a rare find back then in D.C., you had to go to P.A. Palace or you had to get a dub from somebody. Then it meant that you also had to probably give a few bucks up <laughs> and sometimes it would be a small amount of change. It might be five dollars, might be, you know, whatever you could scrounge up, two to five dollars. You know, sometimes with the really good tapes later on, if you got a dub of a tape from somebody, maybe you were paying like ten dollars. I'm not saying whether that was right or wrong, but that's just the way that things happened back then. So you would have another accumulation of tapes. So mixed in with my hip hop tapes also were some go-go tapes. Now with go-go, it was a little bit easier for my parents to understand because they really weren't understanding what was being said on some of the tapes sometimes. But I also had to be very careful what I played out loud, just like on my hip hop and rap tapes. So yeah, that's what we did. And getting a dub was uh, important as a hip hop fan because that would sort of mirror what we did later on in life. Now the tapes would then go on and move to CDs and, you know, we'll have another episode. We talk about CDs, but that was a big thing. But then another thing that happened as well was the peer to peer file sharing things that started primarily with some networks that started online, but really became popular with the advent of Napster near the end of the 20th century. And then by the time you got into the 21st century, when I was in college, well, file sharing became a really big thing. And then, you know, you talk about what Kazaa and LimeWire and SongSpy and Audio Galaxy and eventually, you know, those type of you know file sharing clients that eventually we know are now pretty much most of them dead and gone. And, you know, it's sort of a thing of the past now. Well, at least uh, at least on the surface of the Internet, it's a thing of the past. But really, when you think about it, man, those cassette tapes were really the beginning of what was peer to peer file sharing because that's what you were doing. You were taking music and recording it for somebody else and giving them something which you had. Very, very similar to the process of doing what we did in Kazaa and Songspy and Audio Galaxy and LimeWire. We really just did it analog. And (laughs) to me, I think there was almost an appreciation that you had when somebody gave you a dub because, you know, in, in the early days, you would have to record a tape and let it play all the way through. But then eventually later on, we had the speed dub where it would allow you to record in half the amount of time. But still, it was an effort for somebody to go through and record and dub a tape for you because that meant they take some time out to be able to do that for you. And for real, if somebody did it and they did it for free because they were expecting something back a little bit later, I mean, hell, those were the good times back then. And really, I credit those tapes that I had to really mold me to become the hip-hop fan that I am today. And anybody who came up during that tape era We remember it, man. It was really, really cool. It didn't matter whether it was Memorex or TDK or Maxwell or Sony. As long as you had a blank tape, you could roll, man. And I still have a very small collection of tapes. Now, I lost everything that I had in the fire in uh, 2016. And I lost a large part of my CD collection back then and also a lot of my tapes. But thankfully for me, I had some tapes in my storage in my place below where I lived at. So I was able to salvage some of my tapes. So I'm thankful that I still have them. I have something to play them on, but I haven't played them in a while. I think I'm kind of scared to pull them out at this point because I don't want those tapes to break. So I know that if I can listen to that music, man, but sometime it was something about just being able to press play on that Walkman or that Boombox or whatever it was you were playing it out of, man, to hear that sound that you got from that tape. It was just awesome. And so those of us who came up during the tape era, we know it's a relic of the past, but hey, Vinyl made a comeback. Who knows? Will tapes make a comeback, too? Hmm, You never know. Some people think that vinyl wasn't going to be able to make a comeback. And now it's made quite the strong comeback and it's still on the way back. So maybe we'll see tapes make a comeback, too. I don't know. The streaming era has made things very easy to listen to, but it's fun to reminisce about. So the blank cassette tape era, (laughs) y'all, you had to be there to sort of experience it. And that is another relic to the past. And of course, that is another bonus edition of the vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there listen to all of our episodes write a review rate the show on the website you can also leave a voicemail also you can go there and donate to our buy me a coffee and also check out the rest of the website you can also reach our private facebook community by clicking on the links and it will take you there to the private facebook community where you can join the vault podcast record club and go in there and interact with us to see about all the things that we're talking about we got some great things coming up later on this year for all of that We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you are never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com